I'm Kevin Car- Pankhurst. Who am I? I almost started by saying I'm Kaya Pankhurst, and then I switched to Kevin Carter, and now I'm I'm Kevin Pankhurst, and have so been for names. like five years. It's so really quite. Yeah, I go by a different name at work, in case you didn't know. Because her boss, my boss, is also named Kevin, and has a son named Carter, and has a son named Carter, which is he thought my application was a joke, which is not what you want to hear in an interview. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, sir. Um, not that I would ever call him sir. Um, it, yeah, when I started, you're listening to Girl on the Go. This is Donna Carter. <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. When I started there. We're new. We're we're, yeah, we've only been doing this for six years. When I started at Pod, we were still a startup. There were less than 30 people in the office. And so we were all in one room. So it would be confusing to have two Kevins in one sure. room, especially when a lot of the time they'd be talking to him, not me. So I just went with a name that I already used for wrestling. Um now it wouldn't matter because there's over a hundred people in the company and we hire like five more every month. So wow. yeah, we are, we are, <laughs> it is exponential growth. Um, so I barely even see Kevin and I'm seldom in the same room with him. So it wouldn't matter, but I'm Kaya forevermore at work now. Right. Yeah. And, and Pankhurst is Scott's is name. Is Scott's name, which I legally haven't taken yet because it's a lot of paperwork and there are people to help. But when I tried to do that, they weren't, helping me it wasn't working so here i am with and 10, let's just say names. it's kind of cool for a feminist yeah, to take yeah. the name pankhurst pankhurst yeah because emmeline emmeline depending on who you talk to emmeline pankhurst was sort of the uh she was the pioneer of women's suffrage in, in the uk in the uk yeah yeah, yeah. so obviously that. she had a criminal child because they end, or not child but ancestor because they ended up in australia <laughs> well i mean they may have gone over there after I it was know. a prison call. Yeah. i was trying to be cute oh, sorry Clearly. i just look what we're not about on this podcast is spreading misinformation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I don't know my name. Mm-hmm. This is my mother, Donna Carter, and you're listening to Grow mm-hmm. on the Go. And we're going to talk about pain because that's so much fun. Oh, love that. We, okay, mm. so full disclosure, we record a few podcasts at a time um, in advance. Usually because, two. Usually two. Uh, we did kind of like two and a half today. It's a whole thing. Um, and we talked about like, it's normal for humans to avoid pain. So I'm glad we're circling back to the topic of pain. Well, you know, apparently I'm in some because that's what I seem that's to keep talking what, yeah. about. Great. If you could keep that to yourself, that <laughs> no, would be No, you know great. what? Personally, I've always been the type to avoid pain. I, mean, I haven't we all? Uh, yeah, well, unless we're kind of not very healthy. Okay. As someone who struggled with self-harm, I, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't think of that. I wasn't, I wasn't pointing No, I know you weren't. But... I know you weren't. But then I was like, oh yeah, I'm one of those people. <laughs> Oops. Or I had, let me clarify. I have been one of those people. Yes. You are I'm not. I am not people. currently active. If you are, that's okay. You can get help. Moving on. All right. Um. So yeah, when I had my first baby, um, I was planning to have epidural anesthesia. Let me just clarify. I was not baby number one. I was significantly easier. Well. In most ways. In some ways, yes. In most ways. Um, yeah. So an epidural is um, an, um, anesthetic injected into your 
the the epidural space around your spine and so it kind of makes the lower half of your body somewhat dead or at least it's supposed to it didn't totally work for me but anyway fun I wasn't good at having babies. It, it can only be described as long and painful for everyone involved. It took me a couple of days of labor to progress to the point where an epidural can even be administered. And, you know, I remember that every time I asked for an epidural with Kendall, my first baby, the nurse would say, oh, but you're coping so well. Don't tell me how I'm coping. Exactly. You don't live in my skin suit. I want a skin suit. I like it. Um, I just felt like smacking her when she said that. I thought, lady, come here and I'll sh- say that to my face yeah. and I'll show you just how well I'm coping. Yeah. Anyway, when the anesthesiologist finally came in to see me, he gave me the epidural right away and I felt vindicated before my sadistic nurse. But when I had my second baby, Kevin... Hmm. Uh, I was not quite as meek. We drove into the hospital parking lot and I opened the car door and started shouting, Epidural! I want an epidural! No! Okay, I didn't actually do that, but I want Yeah, that's so you. Um, Doing a little bit, because I thought I'd read this before, doing a little bit of quick research on my phone, we suspect you have at least a touch of ADHD. Um, Maybe. It looks like ADHD or uh, anesthesia, some types of anesthesia, doesn't work as well on people with ADHD, which makes sense because I've had freezing not work in several procedures. I had a leap and my freezing did not fully take. Um, I just remember um, like a lot of dental work. They they can't believe how much freezing I need. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I also am on Adderall, which also impacts your ability to like... Absorb. Absorb anesthesia. So I basically am going in... Just gritting your blind. teeth. Blind, yeah. Just, well, not blind, but like just, just with a leather raw. strap. Yeah, between yeah. Your teeth. Just, just pour <laughs> some whiskey down my throat, I guess. Well, I don't know. That might not work on you either. Who knows? Anyway, um, I, I also don't cope very well with emotional pain. Um, I mean, I've, I've gotten better, but you know, if a new story about a, a child or animal abuse or some really disturbing subject comes on the TV. My instinct is to just change the channel as quickly as I can, because if I don't, I enter into that suffering, Mm. um, whoever the story's about, to the point that I can't sleep at night. I Mm -hmm. can't think about anything else. But, you know, over the years, I've come to realize that God doesn't want us to be insulated from the pain that sin creates in the world. I've come over time to believe that he wants me to say with a modern day Good Samaritan, Bob Pierce, who was the founder of the humanitarian organization Samaritan's Purse, let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. Decades ago, I responded to the whole abortion sanctity of life issue by carrying a sign. Once a year, I know, right? She's, oh, Kevin's ready Mom, to strike me. I had no idea. I'm, so, I don't like that. I know. Well, I don't like it now either. But uh, let me just give some context. Once a year, there was an organized demonstration. And we'd stand on street corners. And it, it, we didn't, like, pick at abortion clinics or anything. Okay, but well, that's something. Were there graphic on, images and stuff? No. Okay. No, we, we just had two signs. One read, abortion hurts women. And abortion kills children. And I actually believe those two statements are true with all my heart. But as God matured my faith, I felt that he was directing me to become involved with the issue, not just protest it. Yeah, not just be like, this is what I think. Yeah. You're welcome, world. Yeah. So I started to, I started uh, training with 
the Calgary Pregnancy Care Centre. Rather than just simplistically labeling the problem or assigning it a catchy slogan, um, I felt compelled by God to begin to really try to become part of the solution. Sorry, our dog is messing with our blanket fort, which is is threatening to pull the ceiling down on us. So <laughs> that would be bad. Bear, bear with us yeah, for a moment. So if here. there's just a giant crash and then silence, you'll yeah. know that uh, that was our final transmission. And... <laughs> yeah, we might be dead. Anyway, um, I did the volunteer training um, in the Calgary Pregnancy Care Center, and then I was a, a peer counselor, and I spent time in the counseling room hearing things I wish I'd never heard. I mean, stories of pain and humiliation and abuse that were so horrible, I just wanted to throw myself down on the floor and weep. Mm -hmm. And I learned that a sign is much easier to carry than the pain of a broken heart. Oh, yeah. I've come to believe that it's only possible to align our lives with Jesus via the path of a broken heart. We can choose to open our hearts to people we encounter in those moments when we know God is inviting us into the suffering of others. We can also choose to harden or protect our hearts and turn away. As Christ followers, these moments of invitation are sacred opportunities to represent Jesus and enter the fellowship of his suffering. In um, Philippians 3.10, Paul writes this to the believers in Philippi. Mm -hmm. Do you want to read that, please? Sure. Uh, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Yeah. So um, allowing our hearts to be broken for other people enables us to begin to understand what that means. Mm -hmm. What is the fellowship of his suffering? Um, when we open our hearts to serve Jesus with abandon, we can't escape emotional suffering. Mm -hmm. We just can't because that's what sin does. Yeah. I, sorry, just before you go on, mm -hmm. I very recently uh, took a leadership course um, with, with work. And part of it was testing our... Um, emotional intelligence and one of the things mm. that comes up is empathy and one of the things they're saying like a lot of people are like i just don't like i just don't have empathy it doesn't come naturally to me and one of the things they were saying is like feelings are natural emotions are natural emotional intelligence can be learned mm. yeah and so empathy is part of emotional intelligence you can learn empathy i think a lot of people are scared or if they're not highly emotional people themselves they struggle. But if, if you're sitting here going like, okay, but like feeling other people's pain, like I struggle with empathy. That's okay. You can learn that. Especially, yeah. I mean, when I call on Jesus, all things are possible. So right. yeah, that's a song. It is a song. It's not a verse. I wasn't, but it's based on, I can do all things through, through Christ, Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. So, um, I've often suspected you were an empath. Are you? Oh, I'm, are you kidding? <laughs> you were talking about things that like, <laughs> just break your heart and you can't stop thinking about i saw a video and i'm probably gonna start crying oh shoot um i saw a video of a little boy um a refugee from ukraine mm. crossing a border by himself <gasps> holding like maybe maybe six holding a bag of candy and a stuffed animal and i hope I hope his family was there, but just not directly with In him. But I don't know. He oh. was crying and just shuffling forward all on his own. And it is the most awful, one of the most awful things I've seen in, in years. Oh. Wow. And that has been making me feel sick for days. Yeah. Um, 
we're going to be talking a little bit more about Ukraine and maybe what yeah. we can do. But um, so back to this, you, so, you, you ranked rather high on emotional intelligence, I'm thinking. And so this, I actually sent you a picture of my results. and it's, Oh, that's what that was. Okay. Yeah, it's I, wild. It's um, consistent with me. Some parts of it. Super high. Insanely high. Some parts of it barely registering. Now, it's a self-assessment, so it could okay. just be my perceived deficits. Right. Um, I also did the assessment on a bit of a hard day for me. So my self-concept may have been a bit skewed. But, mm. um, yeah, it is... Everyone else's was pretty consistent. Like, they score roughly here-ish. But I was, like, way at the top or way at the bottom. Interesting. Okay, I want to talk with you about that when yeah, we're not we'll on that, the air, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that not in a podcast. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, so when we when we open our hearts to serve Jesus with abandon, we can't escape emotional suffering. No. But sometimes the fellowship of Christ's suffering is also spiritual uh, physical and psychological. Mm -hmm. It's like that um, mm -hmm. Hillsong song, Break My Heart for What Breaks Yours. Mm -hmm. And that that's is... actually based on Bob Pierce. Oh, great. Um, quote. Love that. Let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. Yeah. It, yeah. Like it, that is a bold request because it sucks. <laughs> it, it hurts. It hurts so much. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, years ago, when Randy and I visited China, we spent many hours with house chief, uh, a house church movement leader, I will call Craig. Uh, we don't know any of their real names anyway, but uh, yeah. just to protect him further. If you're unfamiliar, mm. um, Christianity is highly mm. regulated in China and largely illegal. Um, and well, not a, it, it, yeah, it's just really controlled in some areas. In some areas, there's quite a lot of freedom. But yeah. whatever you've heard about China is probably happening somewhere in China. Yeah, and and possibly worse. So yeah. The, yeah. and and going to prison, mm -hmm. particularly if you have information that could expose other people that are doing something illegal. Yeah, is not your not, human rights disappear. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about that. Okay, as great. Some specific example. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to give that context. No, if you're no, not familiar, a lot of people are. Yeah. So um, when Craig was only 16 years old, he went to prison for the first of seven times. <sighs> While North American youths his age were learning to drive, going to parties or beginning their first part time jobs. Craig was leading people to Christ and planting churches. At the time of his first arrest, he had already established 20 churches. At 16? Isn't that Whoa. amazing? Um, so the communist officials interrogating Craig wanted to know um, where these 20 churches he'd established were. But he was loyal, obviously, and protective of these little flocks, and so Craig wouldn't tell the interrogators what they wanted to know. They were pretty sure they could extract the information from him with enough pressure, and so they used a piece of steel rebar to beat the knuckles on his hands until they were a bloody pulp. But Chris was still wasn't willing to... to uh, you know, rat out, I guess, um, mm -hmm. his little flocks. And so they took the rebar to his toes. When the beating was finally over, with Craig's secrets still safely locked inside, he dragged himself back to the mat in the corner of his filthy cell, and he prayed. Two things. First, he asked God for the grace to forgive his tormentors, mm. because he didn't want to allow the sun to go down on his anger. And then he thanked God for the privilege of suffering for Jesus' sake. Oh. He was part of the fellowship of suffering, right? What amazing commitment. Well, the last I heard, 
Craig is a husband and father, and he's in prison again. No one even knew where he was being held. The government just makes him disappear. Mm -hmm. And the local Chinese government can, they can legally hold him for up to three years without charges oh. even being laid or any kind of a trial. Oh. That's the law there. And it's quite likely that all his family's possessions have been confiscated as mm -hmm. well. That's often the case with imprisoned Christian leaders in China. Uh, Joel was another man, and again, that's not his name, um, that we met in China. He also knows what it is to pay the price of pain. He was 32 years old when we met him. And he had been, in his words, free of suffering for only two years, following a brutal six-month imprisonment 12 years earlier. Oh, wow. It was an imprisonment that his brother actually didn't survive. They had been arrested together um, in wintertime, and the prison was open to the elements. And in addition to suffering the violent interrogation methods um, that his captors used, Joel and his brother had to endure the cold. Mm -hmm. And he recounted in detail the agony of having needles inserted under his fingernails mm -hmm. in an effort to make him recant his faith and reveal the names and locations connected to the churches in his network. But he refused. And he was thrown back into a cell where other shivering prisoners beat him and stole his clothes and his shoes. And occasionally the guards would even throw cold water on the exposed prisoners just to torment them further. Joel's hands and feet were... Um, ravaged by frostbite and as a result he lost all his finger and toenails but the cold actually wasn't the worst of his misery he was also being starved he had so little food in prison that he only had one bowel movement a month well that's not very good for your digestive system no. and that that was part of what tormented him for so many years after um, after his release one one malady led to another, and it soon it became apparent to the guards that Joel was near death, and they'd already killed his brother. So not wanting the responsibility for another death in their custody, he was released. So just imagine this. You're so near death, and suddenly you're just standing outside of a prison. Yeah. And no one knows where you are. Yeah, I he may not have known where he I was. I don't think he did. It's like, what do so we do? So he's nearly naked. He's starving. He's weak. He didn't know what to do, and he could only think of one thing to do, and so he prayed. And this is what he prayed. Father, I will never stop serving you. No matter what, I will never stop. And then he asked God for help in knowing what to do next. And soon a man approached him and gave him bus fare, pointed to an approaching bus and said, get on that bus. It had to be an angel. Mm. Anyway, Joel did what he was told, and he rode the bus to the end of the line, still nowhere he recognized. I don't know where I'm supposed to get off. So what do you do? Again, he prayed, and a car pulled to the curb, and the driver, a stranger to Joel, told him to get in. So he did. It was only once he was in the back seat that he recognized the woman in the passenger seat. She took a moment longer to recognize Joel, and I mean, just imagine how emaciated and unkempt he was. She was a woman from his hometown. And when she finally recognized him, she just wept at his condition, and they wept together. But then she immediately went and bought him some clothes and took him home. And that very night, barely able to stand, Joel preached in his home church. When everything else was stripped away, when naked, sick, abused, and starving, Joel clung to his mission. 
what he prayed earlier, no matter what, I will never stop serving you. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I often shake my head in wonder when I remember um, the Christians we met in China. And when they asked us to pray for them, they didn't ask for the end of persecution or suffering. They embrace it. They know that the fellowship of Jesus' suffering is what keeps their commitment pure. Without exception, when they asked us to pray for them, they asked us to pray that they wouldn't become materialistic because they recognized the toll that the way of life we embrace in North America mm -hmm. has taken on the body of Christ here. Oh, yeah. Um, prosperity gospel is wild. Yeah, well, and, you know, even, even not going that extreme, yeah. even just the, the fact that it costs us so little to follow Jesus, mm. you know, and... and oh, from a... From a monetary standpoint, it costs mm -hmm. us so little to follow Jesus. Well, I would say true, I guess, adherence can cost everything. Well, but in comparison to knowing imprisonment, torture, having yes, everything you own stripped away from you, like so, so little, right? So, yeah. and they they just want to be spared of the draining of their passion and the, the depletion of their willingness to suffer for what matters most to God. And it, it makes me wonder... Is it the Christians of China or of North America who are really free? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's no shortage of suffering in the world, obviously. Of course, there are the, the atrocities that we keep hearing about in Ukraine, not the least of which is, is one you just talked about. Is God asking us to do something about that? In many parts of the world, like Haiti, um, we just heard from Ephraim, you know who that is, yeah, right? He's yeah. a friend of ours who lives in Haiti. He said he'll never leave, even though most of the pastors have. Most of the churches <gasps> are shut because about 20 Christian um, pastors or leaders get kidnapped every week. And he himself by, has had four or five attempts. By religious extremists from no, other religions? No, or? by um, gangs. And the goal is they know if, if you're a leader or a pastor, you have people who are loyal to you, and those people will raise money to <sighs> get you back. And so a lot of the churches are shuttered, but his keeps growing. And he, there have been four, I think, can't remember, I think he said five attempted kidnappers, uh, kidnappings of himself personally. And he, they've never succeeded. They've never succeeded. And in fact, um, some of the people who tried to kidnap him are dead and he's still alive. So he, we don't want to delight in people's death, but. Anyway, you know, so Haiti's a part of the world where the suffering's been going on for so long, it doesn't even make the news anymore. No. But maybe maybe God is nudging you to get involved locally with a pregnant, pre pregnancy care center, helping women in crisis pregnancy or with refugees mm -hmm. from the Ukraine. I want to urge you, our listener, to ask God how he wants you to share the power of his resurrection mm -hmm. and the fellowship of his suffering. If um, hearing stories about persecuted Christians in particular moves you, I would, I would highly recommend, I'm sure there's loads of books, but Jesus Freak, um, mm -hmm. like, like the DC Talk song, um, has loads of stories in there. Um, if you think God is speaking to you through those kinds of stories, mm -hmm. that's a really good resource. It's for... an old book. It's like 20 years old, at least. But... Yeah, it is. 
but it's good. And if you're looking for a way to give to the persecuted church, I know Open Doors is a fabulous ministry. The ministry we went to China with is WorldServe. Yeah. And they do an amazing job of um, resourcing the underground church. They also have thrift stores. So yeah. they may or may not have one near you, but hey, do some Googling. Yeah, it's a great, like, low-key way. You can... Yeah. That's where we donate everything. Yeah. And I also shop there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, and I, and I want to talk about the Ukraine too. Um, so uh, I'm Ukraine, the Ukraine. Oh yes, real Ukraine. quick. Okay, you I, know I do cool. know. Yeah, real quick lesson: the Ukraine is uh, now not considered appropriate. Just Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. I I just learned that. So I know it's new. Old dog, that's new trick. No, that's why I brought yeah. it up. Yeah. So um, if you want to give to Ukraine, the Christian and Missionary Alliance has something really. Um, really great going on. So that's the denomination we're part of. That's mm -hmm. how I know about it. So uh, we have a former, um, like a retired missionary to Poland, mm -hmm. whose name is Bill Fenimore, yeah. who has returned to Poland. He's working with, um, actually, he's acting as a liaison because the Alliance churches in Poland were already doing a fabulous work with refugees pouring into their country. Nice. And so Bill is there to liaise between the between Canadians nice. and Poland yeah. uh, and Canadian churches and Polish churches um, to get our money to them yeah. to resource the um, refugees. Which so are my cousin, uh, your nephew and his wife, John and Kristen, who listen to the show. Hi, John and Kristen. Um, they they worked actually with worked them. for Bill from the yeah, Fillmore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they did in, some in missions Poland. work in Poland yeah. as well. So I'm um, part of a group of artists from our church who are... Um, painting sunflowers, which is the uh, national flower of Ukraine, mm. um, to be um, sold at a fundraiser um, in order to raise money for um, the Christian Missionary Alliance, their work in Poland. Another great resource is Heart Ministries. It's called, it's, uh, the website is heart.ca, H-A-R-T. Mm -hmm. And they are, this is their, right from their website, is dedicated to alleviating poverty and injustice in Eastern Europe by working in partnership with local Christian churches, again, working through the church, giving them the tools to build better, a better world for themselves, their communities and their countries. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did a quick look at their website. They're doing amazing, amazing work right. in Ukraine, including anti-trafficking. Nice. So like that little boy who was so vulnerable on the border. I was going to say, yeah, trafficking is a huge concern it's right now. It's a huge concern. And um, they're really working in that area amazing. among many other areas. Amazing. So I'd like to just finish this project. Oh, yeah, you have something. Yeah, I, I, I can see your notes, and it looks like you want to close in prayer. I do have to do a little tag, and I don't want to do that after we pray. That feels disingenuous. So let's okay. do that first, and okay. then let's pray. Um, so, yeah, before we get into that, please do subscribe on your favorite app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Or, of course, you can listen anytime using the MyJoyRadio app. Uh, having said that, let's close out with some prayer. Mm -hmm. And this is not my own prayer, Ben. This is one I, I found that I love. So here we go. Loving God, we pray for the people of Ukraine, for all those suffering or afraid, that you will be close to them and protect them. Mm -hmm. We pray for world leaders, for compassion, strength, and wisdom to guide their choices. We pray for the world, that in this moment of crisis, we may reach out in solidarity to our brothers and sisters in need. 
May we walk in your ways so that peace and justice become a reality for the people of Ukraine mm-hmm. and for all the world. Amen. That is it for us today on Grow on the Go. I'm Kevin Pankers. And I'm Donna Carter, inviting you to be part of the fellowship of his suffering. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.